If you've been acting in a certain way for 50-something years like I was, to be able to stop that and change direction is fucking huge. And I think that understanding this is one of the secrets to a contented life. Learning how to stop doing the things that are not serving you, things that are draining you, things that are making you ashamed or unhappy or unfulfilled. Hi, I'm Barb Nangle. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole, Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery, where I help people heal their emotional, psychological, and spiritual wounds and make deep, lasting changes in their lives. I'm the founder and CEO of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting, LLC, where I coach people on how to develop healthy boundaries. On this podcast, I share my experience, strength, and hope from recovery. I don't support or endorse any particular 12-step recovery fellowship, and I don't claim to speak for any particular 12-step fellowship. I also don't believe that 12-step recovery is the only way to recover. You might need additional help. My hope is that you'll find my words concretely helpful in improving your life, whether you're in recovery or not. If you like what you've heard on this episode, please screenshot it and share it on social media. And if you do, please be sure to tag me at Higher Power Coaching. This is episode 198, how to change your behavior after 50 years of momentum in the other direction. I was speaking with a colleague the other day about changing long-standing patterns of behavior and telling him, I've been doing that for most of my adult life. Before I get into the content about how to do that, here's a summary of some of the ways that I've changed over the years. I turned around my financial life 20-ish years ago when I went from declaring bankruptcy to buying a home within nine years. I carried around over 100 pounds of excess weight for decades, and I'm now down over 100 pounds and have maintained that for five years. I had a lifetime of unhealthy, dysfunctional, romantic relationships, and I am now in a healthy, loving, supportive relationship and have been for over four years. I also had really unhealthy relationships in other areas of my life too, typically where I was the rescuer, fixer, saver, and or did way more work to maintain the relationship than others. I didn't used to have boundaries. And now I have really healthy boundaries, so much so that I actually coach people on how to build them in their personal and professional lives so they can live on purpose and avoid burnout and overwhelm. I went from being a lifelong agnostic to becoming a deeply spiritual person, so much so that I named my company Higher Power Coaching and Consulting. I used to be a crier. I cried about everything, whether I was angry, scared, moved, it didn't matter. I cried volumes and I almost always did it in isolation. I am not a crier anymore. As the solution in ACA says, when we release the burden of unexpressed grief, we slowly move out of the past. I've moved out of my past pattern of crying about everything. And speaking of crying and emotions, I used to feel like my emotions were gigantic compared to other people's emotions. It seemed to me from witnessing other people also that somehow my feelings penetrated me more deeply than other people's feelings penetrated them. And now I feel like my feelings are right-sized. My mental health has been stable 
and the most stable for the longest period of time for the last seven or so years. And that's amazing after the many episodes of depression I've had over the years. I think getting my feelings and relationships in order has had everything to do with that. I've also transformed myself professionally. I'm a sociologist with a master's degree who worked for years at Yale University as a program coordinator for urban education programs. And when I got laid off through a series of serendipitous events, thank you, God, I have realized my lifelong dream of starting my own business. So as you can see, I have changed my behavior in a lot of ways. And I've noticed some patterns about how that change process unfolds. One of the things that I said to my colleague where we were both like, holy shit, that's brilliant. I'm going to write that shit down was not only did I change my behavior, but I did it after 50 plus years of momentum in the other direction. Now that is a lot of momentum, which is why we were so blown away when I came out with that. Now, momentum is really a principle about the physical world. So I'm talking metaphorically when I talk about momentum in terms of human behavior change. Physical momentum is the idea when that something physical, an object, is moving through space. It takes a lot of force to stop it because there's energy behind that movement. The energy behind the physical object's movement is momentum and will keep propelling that object forward if some outside force isn't applied. Now, keep in mind, if you're a physicist, that I am not. I am a sociologist, so this is my memory of high school physics from over 40 years ago. Hopefully, you get the point. Now, metaphorically, that's true about your behavior patterns too. If you've been acting in a certain way for 50-something years like I was, to be able to stop that and change direction is fucking huge. And I think that understanding this is one of the secrets to a contented life. Learning how to stop doing the things that are not serving you, things that are draining you, things that are making you ashamed or unhappy or unfulfilled. When I was talking to my friend and colleague the other day, I shared the example I used on episode eight about when I learned to pause. I think the reason we got into this conversation in the first place, is that he was saying that learning to pause and say, I need to think about that when someone asks him to commit to something has been so monumental for him. And I said, me too. Pausing is hands down my number one tool of recovery. I cannot use any of my other tools until I pause. And the way that learning to pause worked for me was really kind of a process that I see as happening in all different kinds of behavior change. It's this kind of stepwise process that I'm going to lay out for you. But to summarize, it's basically two steps forward, one step back, or occasionally it's two steps forward, three steps back. But the long term is that you're going in the direction you want to go toward the new way of life you're trying to achieve. Now, this is not a process for the faint of heart, but even if you are faint of heart, you can learn to be heartened, especially if you have a community of others who are also going through the same process as you, which is one of the many reasons that 12-step recovery works so well. It's the group nature of the work. The idea is that you cannot let a step back stop you from continuing to try to move forward. You stick with your commitment, even if at the present time, it seems like you're not making progress. The way that it worked for me in terms of pausing was first, 
I learned that pausing was a thing. Now, this was novel to me. I had been what we call in the ACA program a reactor rather than an actor in my life. In other words, we're just responding to things that are happening in life as they come at us. We're not being purposeful and mindful and proactive about running our lives. We're just responding to stimuli and sometimes not even current stimuli. Sometimes we're responding to something in the current day because of something that happened in the past. So in order to become an actor rather than a reactor, or as another recovery program says, acting on life rather than reacting to it, in order to do that and be proactive in your life, you need to be mindful about what you're doing. You need to be thinking with your cerebral cortex or the frontal lobe of your brain, and you can't do that when you're in reactive mode, which is what happens when you're in fight or flight mode. I call it being in your lizard brain. So how do you get from lizard brain to human brain where your higher order thinking is done? One of the most effective ways you get there is by learning to pause. When you pause, if you breathe deeply, you will catch your breath. The way I think of it is that once I've caught my breath, I'm sort of telling my body I am safe which means it can come out of fight or flight mode and I can access the higher order thinking in my frontal lobe. If you've ever noticed that when you're super fucking angry or super scared or triggered in some way that you can't think clearly, that is purposeful. Your body was created that way because when you're in a stressful situation, you're supposed to fight or flee. You are not supposed to sit around and think, hmm, what should I do next? Because your life could be at stake and the amount of energy required for thinking is huge and that energy is needed to fight or flee. The problem is your body's not meant to be in the fight or flight mode for extended periods of time. But if you have been traumatized or grew up in a dysfunctional family, that state feels normal since your system is used to being dysregulated in this way all the time. So to overcome the 50 plus years of momentum, in my case anyway, it takes some doing. It takes some time. You're not going to flip a switch and change. That's just really unrealistic. So I had to first understand that pausing is a thing that can be done. It was theoretical for me initially. I was like, oh, that's a great idea. I have no fucking idea how to do it. I had to believe that it was possible for somebody out there to pause. I didn't initially have to believe that it was possible for me, but then I eventually had to believe that it could be possible for me. And as I started to entertain that idea, I started reflecting on things that were going on in my life, thinking back to situations that had happened previously and asking myself, was there an opportunity in that situation where I could have paused? And I'd see, well, that would have been a really good time to pause. Now, I can't go back and change the past, but I could see that had I paused in that situation, it could have been very helpful and it could have turned out very differently. So maybe now that I've thought that through, the next time a similar situation like that comes up, maybe I'll be able to pause. Well, that's not what happened for me, at least not initially. And then I'd think about something that happened maybe three weeks ago and be like, oh, I could have paused then. And then then maybe I'd think of something two weeks ago and be like, oh, I could have paused then. And then maybe something three days ago, I could have paused. So what I saw 
was the window of time closing between when the thing happened and the time when I realized I could have paused. So you can be more purposeful than I was by actively seeking these things out, not just waiting until it comes to mind. So that process was really exciting for me because I was like, ooh, there's progress happening here. Remember in recovery, we say it's progress, not perfection. We're going in the general trajectory of new behavior, not necessarily hitting the mark every time, but we're headed that way. What happened was eventually I started to be able to be in a situation and realize I need to pause here. Now that didn't happen every time. There were some times where I paused and sometimes where I completely forgot about it. But because I was really committed to coming out of this mode of being a reactor and becoming an actor, of not living in fight or flight mode all the time, I really started to pay more attention to how things went in my life. If they didn't come out the way I wanted, I would ask myself if there was an opportunity for me to pause in there. Eventually, I got to be able to pause more and more frequently. And I would say now that 90 plus percent of the time, I am able to pause. What I like to say is that learning to pause was like climbing Mount Everest for me. It was fucking monumental. It was one of my most important life's work. I had so much time and energy and effort in being a reactor rather than an actor that it was so unnatural for me to change that. And I had to work really hard. I had to put a lot of effort into it. And I had to be willing to continue to move forward in the direction of taking control of my life by learning how to pause, no matter what the evidence. Even though I could see I've not paused, I've paused, I've not paused, I've not paused, I've paused, it was progress. And at least I was aware of what was going on in my life rather than being oblivious to how things were unfolding as I had been for over 50 years of my life. For me, going to meetings on a very consistent basis at this time was super fucking helpful because I got to feel like I was swimming in the middle of people who were trying to change. And we all support each other through this process. I always feel better after a meeting, and that's always been true. So for me, the formula for changing your behavior is this. First, you have to believe theoretically that it's possible that change can happen for humans. If you don't believe it just yet, seek out people who have done the thing you're looking to do and use them as examples. Second, then you start to entertain the idea that maybe it's something that I could do. Third, start thinking through situations you've been in where if you had done the new behavior, things would have turned out differently. I think of it as sensitizing yourself to the types of situations and encounters and relationships in which applying your new behavior change would work out. The more you do that, the more sensitized you become and the more likely you are to be able to actually enact that behavior change. You might be like me where that reflection time closes the window between when you notice that you could have changed and when you actually change. You might see that window of time getting smaller and you getting closer and closer to changing your behavior during the situations that always used to end in ways that you weren't pleased with. Maybe like me, you'll see that in a couple of days, I'm going to be able to change my behavior. Fourth is continuing to be committed to the behavior change so that when you have a setback, you don't use the setback as an excuse to stop. 
That's why it requires a commitment because you're not going to do it if you're not committed to it. This commitment will allow you to follow through with the change, whatever it is, whether it is learning how to pause, learning to stop gossiping, learning to mind your own business, stop snacking at night, stop talking back to people, not rescuing, fixing, and saving people. So I do want to give you another concrete example in a moment, but I want to say that this is the process that all of my boundaries coaching clients go through because they're changing their lifelong patterns of behavior and they have to believe that it can happen first. And it's really helpful to have someone supportive of you. So even if you're not in 12-step recovery and you don't have a community, maybe work with a therapist or a coach or a clergy person to be supportive of you. You want someone who is going to stick with you. So here's another concrete example from my personal life. Let's say you want to stop burying your head in the sand regarding your finances, which is what I did for years. So first, you want to start looking for people who have gone from burying their head in the sand regarding their finances to someone who's really taken control of their finances and built their wealth so that you can gather evidence that this is a thing that can happen. People can go from broke and miserable and feeling like there's not enough their whole lives to changing into people who really experience the abundance of life and take charge of their finances. Then you can start to entertain the idea that this is something that could happen for you. Now, while you're watching those other people who have changed, make sure you're paying attention to the behaviors they're engaging in now. What are the things that they're doing that are different than the things that you are doing so that you have some ideas of what the actual behavior changes are that you need to make? For me, one of the things was that I didn't balance my checkbook. So I was able to remain oblivious to my finances. So I needed to start balancing my checkbook monthly. At the time I was making all those changes, I got paid on a monthly basis. And by the time I got my paycheck at the end of the month, I had been in such dire straits financially that I would just go out and spend money on whatever the fuck I wanted to spend it on. And only after that would I sit down and start thinking about paying bills, which meant I didn't have enough money to cover everything. And what inevitably happened is that I would bounce checks and I'd be paying all these fees. And I could have been using that money for the fees on something else. And I realized this is just not working for me. It was not working for me financially, and it was also extremely stressful. Talk about fight or flight mode. So starting to balance my checkbook monthly was huge. And then not allowing myself to spend any money until I'd made a plan for where it was going to go was extremely important. So that was actually kind of number three in the steps I laid out where I was thinking of situations in which I could have changed my behavior. And then I became really committed to these changes and other changes because I could see that my financial life was a goddamn mess and I was making pretty decent money at the time, the most I ever had, but it just didn't seem like enough because I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't budgeting and deciding how much to spend where. And I was letting money kind of siphon out the drain by paying all those fees. So I did decide at that time for a while anyway that I needed to bring in some more money. So I got a job as an adjunct professor, which helped me to get my head above water, which was another way that I changed my behavior. So that's another example of how you can apply these steps to behavior change. I would love to hear from you about either a behavior you have already changed 
and what the process was like for you. Or if you take some of what I've said here and apply it to your life, I'd love to hear how it works for you. Drop me a DM on Instagram at Higher Power Coaching or send me an email, barb at higherpowercc.com. If you're ready to finally have an enjoyable, relaxing summer doing things you really want to do, instead of always following other people's agendas, I have some openings for private clients right now. If you are really tired of saying yes to things you really don't want to do and being overly accommodating to others, this is for you. It's time to start accommodating yourself. Maybe you're dissatisfied with your relationships and overwhelmed with all kinds of difficult feelings because of your interactions with others. If you'd like to get your life in order before the summer hits, go to barbchat.net and sign up for a free 30-minute call with me about my private coaching so we can get started right away. That way, you'll be done by summer. This is for people who are finally ready to make deep, lasting changes in their relationship patterns, including their relationships with themselves, their partners, family, friends, and colleagues. Go to barbchat.net. If you like this podcast, and I'm guessing you did or you wouldn't still be listening, then you're going to love the other things I have to offer. If you'd love pre-released podcast scripts and episodes before anyone else gets them, or if you'd love access to content from my private vault that I developed exclusively for my private clients, which is like having a work session with me without me actually being there, go to patreon.com slash higher power coaching. There are three tiers ranging from as low as $4 up to $24 a month. You'll also love my weekly newsletter, Friday Fragments, which has content very similar to the podcast. You can check it out at fridayfragments.news. That's fridayfragments.news. Please like and subscribe to my podcast on your favorite podcast outlet. I'd also love it if you'd leave a review, which you can do either in the show notes or on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find my podcast so they can get the benefits you've gotten from listening. If someone came to mind when you listen to this particular episode, please share it with them. And my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. I'm at Higher Power Coaching. Please DM me there. I'd love to hear what you got from this episode. I run group and private coaching programs on building healthy boundaries. Whether you need help with boundaries in your personal, professional, or romantic life, I can help. Head on over to barbchat.net where you can hop onto my calendar for a free 30-minute Better Boundaries consultation. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change. If that's you, I would love to work with you. My goal with all my work is to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep lasting changes in my life. Remember, it's never too late to recover. No one is beyond hope and healing is possible. Thanks for listening.